This sermon was preached for Remembrance Sunday, 2021, at St. Mary's Dis. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Russian paratroopers drift through Belarusian skies as tensions build along the barbed wire-topped fences that separate Belarus from Poland. Further to the east, several thousand Ukrainians move to their border with Belarus, even as ten times their number of Russian forces move closer to the Russian border. A U.S. official warns that Russia might invade in a similar fashion to 2014's annexation of Crimea. The Moscow Defense Ministry has announced that a jet was scrambled to prevent a British RC-135 reconnaissance plane from crossing the Russian border. This is further to Kremlin's statements that the West is playing with fire following the HMS Defenders' standoff with Russian vessels in the Black Sea in June. Small numbers of British troops as part of a larger NATO forces have also been moved to Poland. Troops from the 1st Queen's Dragoon Guard, based at Robertson Barracks in Swanton Morley near Durham, are set to join others from the Welsh Cavalry in Mali for six months of peacekeeping a nearly decade-long United Nations Security Council mission to stabilise the region affected even now by ISIS and other extremist groups. In the midst of these situations, it's easy to slip into political and military systems of thought. After all, it's been said both that war is an extension of diplomacy and also that diplomacy is an extension of war. Yet the reality of conflict is rarely to be found in lines drawn on maps or headlines published in newspapers. It's found in the lives of the ordinary people which are caught in the middle. This is as true of Belarus as it is of those in Mali, Syria, Afghanistan and Yemen. People of whom we are often only given glimpses when it's considered expedient to show their plight in the news coverage. For instance, we're all familiar with Afghanistan and its war. How could we not be with the dramatic events of the last few weeks? And many of us have heard of difficulties in Yemen. But did you know that the highest number of war-related fatalities last year was in Mexico? The fifth highest was in Nigeria, that in 2020, almost three times as many people were killed in Azerbaijan as they were in Iraq. Even here, as I try and point towards human lives affected by conflict today, I find myself drawn again to the use of statistics, which frankly don't impress us or move us beyond the muttered comment of, oh, how awful. It's hard for most of us, especially those of us who have not served in the military, 
or who have not had to flee armed conflicts with only the clothes on our backs. It's hard for us to get a handle on the reality of wars and the rumours of wars in far-off places, beyond what it might mean, perhaps, for our heating and our grocery bills. That is precisely why Remembrance Sunday is such a powerful occasion for our nation, because there was not a town or a village which came through the world wars unscathed. England, green and pleasant land as it is, has been inexorably altered not just by the political realities which followed the close of the Second World War, but by the lost generations which were not afforded the opportunity to grow and shape our culture, as they might have with their presence. However, we remember those who do not grow old as we grow old, words which grow only more poignant, as we do indeed grow old, and reflect on all that our lives have been. We each have individual names and faces which we do recall, for me, it's my great-grandfather, Samuel Thorpe Butler Thorpe, 2nd Lieutenant of the Suffolk Regiment during the First World War. He met his wife, a nurse called Pansy, whilst recovering in hospital from a bullet wound, a quirk of history without which I wouldn't be here. And I'm sure that in a similar way, each of you have names which come to mind, and I've been mindful during this pandemic that many have drawn on their own memories of their childhoods growing up in the war as a comparison to make sense of it all. One of my neighbours around the corner from me recalled watching the Battle of Britain from her friend's garden. She wondered at the impact that that had on her growing up, and in turn wondered what the impact will be of today's events on the present generation of children as they grow up. Each year we remember those who have died in war, whether the world wars or any of the many subsequent conflicts. Yet each year we continue to hear of new wars and yet more rumours of wars, and we can wonder, when will it ever end? Our Gospel reading acknowledges this dynamic at play, that there will be wars and rumours of wars, as well as famines, Perhaps our minds here go to COP26, and earthquakes as the creation groans in anticipation of in anticipation of its longed-for redemption. And the truth is that the cycle of peace seekers preparing to go to war is an endlessly reiterating reality of humanity. In itself, it is both noble and pointless. It reminds me of the opening words of our reading from Hebrews, which speaks of the Jewish priests. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. Human actions are fundamentally limited by the reality of our sinful nature. No matter how often we atone for sin, no matter how often we fight for peace, we can never reach the ideals that we long for by ourselves. But 
When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he takes our hitherto endless cycle of sin and sacrifice and sin and sacrifice, and he interrupts it decisively. In him, the ever-fading and mortal reality of humanity meets with the everlasting and eternal reality of God, such that he weds our fate to God's fate, not simply by divine fiat, but through his personal sacrifice on the cross. The death of Christ is the death of every human being, and through that unity, the resurrection of Christ is the promise of resurrection for every human being. As the prophecy of Daniel says, those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will be like stars for ever and ever. And our portion of Hebrews continues on this theme far better than I ever could. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, and with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And this is the other aspect of Remembrance Sunday for the Christian. When we are confronted with wars and rumors of wars, as Jesus told us we would be, we do well, yes, to hold on to the names and memories of those who are meaningful to us and to use our desire to honor their sacrifice as a motivation and encouragement to us to love and to good deeds but we are also to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for Jesus is faithful. I said it before and I will say it again and again. The gospel is not an escape from the realities of evil and sufferings which occur in this world. It is the only means that we have of staring it straight in the face and enduring through whatever the world might throw at us, confident that the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than sin, greater than death, greater than the world and the devil. 
Yet although on the cross he made a once-for-all sacrifice, which endures forever, we still have to hold fast to our confession. Hebrews continues after our portion by saying, If we willfully persist in sin, having received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So do not be among those who shrink back and so are lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. This morning, then, let us remember today and always that our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us say in a short while with confidence the words of the creed, the confession of our hope. And let us commit ourselves once again to come into the presence of God in the Eucharist, to feed on his body which he gave for us so that we might escape the death of sin and enter the new and living way that he opened for us approaching him with a heart filled with the assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When we hear of wars and rumours of wars, let us always remember. Amen. Amen.